0: Alexa, play the Fighting Irish Faithful podcast. Playing Fighting Irish Faithful. You're listening to the Fighting Irish Faithful show where we are undefeated at 9-0 Tonight's episode, we're going to do a quick recap of Notre Dame versus North Carolina. We're going to give some in depth analysis of Notre Dame's wide receiving crew. We're gonna give a lot of praise to Clark Lee and his defense. Answer the question Is Ian Book a viable Heisman candidate? And spoiler alert Notre Dame is going to beat Syracuse. So let's get after it right now. Pour yourself a drink. Uh, sit back, relax, but if you're driving, don't have a drink, alright, unless it's coffee. And let's go, Irish. Three wide receivers, right? They're gonna go for two. Back to throw. Waltz looks, looks, looks. Has the time. Lost the ball. The pass is made it down. Getting it by Golson Open receiver in the end zone. Touchdown, Not a game. Somehow the Irish did it. Out of the pack. 30 35. Goodbye, baby. at the 50, the 40, the 30, the 20, the 20. Fire, fire, rocket, touchdown, Irish! Zibikowski looking for a block, touch to the right, to the 40, gets a block, gets to the 45, 50, up to the 45, 40, 30, one man to beat, 20, 15, 10, he's down to the 5, touchdown, Irish! What is going on, Fighting Irish Faithful? Welcome back, everybody, to episode 19, Notre Dame versus Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse is going to be just a little piece here at the end, but, uh, hey, we already did a North Carolina episode and a defensive episode and a quarterback Ian book episode. So, uh, if you want to hear those, go back to the archives at the beginning of the season. That's episode, I think two, five and three respectively though. I would be impressed if that was actually correct. Anyway, pulled that out of the air. Uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, everybody, the fighting Irish faithful show, Uh, Very popular now on YouTube. We are also on Anchor. We are on iTunes, Spotify. Welcome, everybody. You can follow me also on Twitter at faithful underscore Irish. Go ahead, uh, follow me. I'll probably follow you. It's it's about a one-to-one ratio there right now. Anyway, uh, tonight... our whiskey we're finally pulling out a Glen. this is a Glen bar single malt scotch whiskey aged for 12 years huge huge shout out this week and the toast goes to the guys at nd nation prior to uh, this le- past week my show had about 20 to 30 listeners uh, from youtube over to spotify and whatnot I reached out to ND Nation. Long story short, they linked me last week for the North Carolina show, Um, and that show is now by far the most listened to, most viewed on YouTube. Over two hundred listeners. So if you're new and you found me for the first time last week, thank you, and I hope I don't disappoint. Welcome to everybody that is new. Uh, Got about eighteen episodes you got to catch up on now. Thank you very much to ND Nation. Been been reading your stuff been you are number one in my bookmarks on my phone you know i found you guys probably in 2008 i believe so thank you to you guys um you're helping this podcast really uh kick off and and head in the direction i'm I'm trying to take it so thank you if you can't tell from the music uh tonight's saint andrew's day uh it's not exactly as big as saint patty's day but uh hey um it's a big deal in this house uh, th- my wife, the doc, um, her maiden name is very Scottish and, a uh, funny story. Uh, we lived in England for about six months and we did all sorts of sightseeing and we went to a place called Hadrian's wall. It's on the Northern border between England and Scotland. Now it's all the United Kingdom, but, uh, Hadrian's wall was built by the Romans and if you've ever seen robin hood prince of thieves it's near the beginning where kevin costner and morgan freeman are walking on this wall that's actually hadrian's wall they're walking on not even close to nottingham by the way but anyway um hadrian's wall was built by the romans to keep the scots out and we went back and looked at the history of my wife's family and the clan that she was from her clan was notorious for being horse thieves So Hadrian's Wall was literally built to keep her ancestors out of Rome. So (laughs) take that for what it is. So happy St. Andrew's Day. And uh, it's only fitting that we are drinking scotch because we drink scotch all the time on this podcast, but a special, special episode tonight. So there you go. So the North Carolina game was uh, very, very wonderful. I had a lot of angst regarding the weird day being on a Friday, um, an away game. UNC's kind of hot to trot. And Notre Dame showed up. I mean, we it was a tight game in the first quarter, but Notre Dame covered the spread uh, significantly. Our defense came through. We ran the ball a little less than what I would like, but we had 199 rushing yards to North Carolina's 87. We threw more passing yards than they did. Um, Book had a much better completion percentage, 69% versus North Carolina's guy. Um, No turnovers for either team. So that's a little bit of a bummer. That's uh, one area Notre Dame needs to improve on. But Notre Dame had six sacks and eight tackles for loss and limited North Carolina to 17% on third down. This is very, very good football. Um, With a great time of possession, about 35 minutes of the whole football game, Notre Dame had the ball. So, um, way to play keep away, but also the defense dominated, limited, and contained North Carolina. They couldn't do shit against us. It was quite, quite wonderful to see. Uh, I was also traveling, um, and uh, ha ha ha, sneaky were we. We entered and then exited said Commonwealth, and we are back in the beautiful hoosier state just in time for a snowstorm north carolina uh doesn't have shit on notre dame and notre dame's receivers in this game really stepped up first we want to give some love out to javon mckinley javon mckinley his last name the heritage of said last name mckinley is scottish so i think anytime we mention him uh we need to give him this uh, song right here scotland the brave or something like that um or at least you know pour a dram of whiskey hey that that's fun too but mckinley was six of six for 135 yards and his longest was that 53 yard pass uh, reception that he got from books so way to go mckinley then mr Mayer, four receptions for 54 yards with 16 yards being his longest. And uh, if you follow me on Twitter, I've been notorious now for uh, putting the emoji of the jack-o'-lantern every time he catches a ball. I think that's gonna be a scorecard now, uh, kind of like an old World War II fighter plane, P-51 Mustang or something, you know, and you put a, put a star on your plane. You know, every time you get a catch, uh, not quite as annoying as a Buckeye leaf on Ohio State's stupid helmets, but I think we're going to give uh, Mayer uh, little jack-o'-lanterns for every reception he has during the game, so uh, more to come on Twitter for that one. Skronic, three receptions, 34 yards. Kyron Williams, four receptions, 20 yards, and our only receiving touchdown, Joe Wilkins, he got two uh, receptions, and then George Takas. Right at the end of the game, he got a great 13-yard pass. It was critical at that point, Uh, and that that pass reception, then the ensuing touchdown, certainly put the game away, and uh, it was never in doubt after that. When he made the catch and he dove for the end zone, though he ended up short, I'm like, who the hell is this 85 guy? And I'd like go to my phone and I'm like looking up the roster. I'm like, I don't know who this is. I'm like, oh shit, it's Takas. So <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was kind of fun. I'm like learning new things here as we go. Little bummed out that no Jordan Johnson was out there getting the long bomb. Um, go back to last week's episode where I said Kelly needs to pull Jordan Johnson and book aside and say, hey, first play of the game, throw it deep, chuck it up there go get it. You're one of the fastest freaks on the team and you're awesome and keep him engaged um, and uh, just, just go with it. Uh, that didn't happen, which is unfortunate, but regardless, the outcome of the game is more important than the new freshman's uh, output. Looking at our receivers for the season though, it's really interesting to see how the receiving has been divided up. And I looked at Notre Dame's top four receivers. Uh, First, Ben Skoranek is clearly winning as far as overall touchdowns. He has five more than any other receiver, including tight ends. He averages over 16 yards a catch, has 17 receptions for 273 yards. Next, Avery Davis has two touchdowns. 19 receptions for 282 yards. And, of course, he has probably one of the most critical catches for Notre Dame in that Clemson game, that really long pass uh, to keep us in it. And then, of course, Mayer, Baby Gronk, Cheat Code, whatever you want to call him, uh, he has 25 receptions for 301 yards and two touchdowns. But then I think Notre Dame's most powerful weapon cue the bagpipes here javon mckinley 30 receptions 549 yards but zero touchdowns why the hell does he not have any touchdowns at this point in the season he averages over 18 yards a catch tommy reese you're gonna beat up on syracuse you got you're literally playing a fruit this week all right it's a good fruit, but it's a good. You're playing a fruit, a Syracuse, or a color. I don't, I don't know. But anyway, the annoying orange are coming to South Bend. Throw some passes to Javon McKinley. Get him in a position to score a touchdown. Let's do this. Clark Lee's defense is really, really doing a fantastic job. I'm not going to go into the overall stats that Notre Dame's defense is doing in all of college football right now. But looking at this game against North Carolina is truly a reflection, but on a, on a downsized version of how well they are doing the first quarter of the North Carolina game. Notre Dame was just trading points with the Tar Heels back and forth, back and forth, uh, 14 points for both teams. And, you know, it was a yard points gasm looked very big 12y, you know, or we got Baylor and Texas Tech here playing. And then, in the second quarter, we're trading field goals. And then Kyle Hamilton gets his targeting penalty. There's three minutes left in that quarter. And I'm saying to myself, oh, shit. We've been trading this whole time with with Kyle Hamilton, arguably one of our best defensive players. And now he's out for the rest of this game. I think we get him back. For all of Syracuse because that hit happened in the first half of the game so um, if that's gonna, when you're going to get a targeting penalty it, it's best to be at the end of the second quarter I guess but that same drive is when North Carolina got their last points if we look at the play breakdown of the drives of North Carolina after that hit after losing Kyle Hamilton So all their drives from the third and the fourth quarter. Third quarter, punt, punt, punt. And then the fourth quarter, punt, punt, turnover on downs. I mean, they only had 25 plays for 58 yards the entire second half without Kyle Hamilton. That is amazing. What is Clark Lee doing that he is just masterminding this? Bob Diaco was very, very notorious for doing this, especially in 2012. We would start out slow, but then would make great transitions, great adjustments to the defense and lock him down. That happened in the BYU game in 2012. Go back, watch the tape. But the first half of the game, North Carolina had 215 yards. We go into the locker room, we have Gatorade and Orange slices, but Clark Lee's out there masterminding this great plan. Also on the defense, want to give a huge shout out to Maris. Fau, he is from Hawaii, and he stepped up huge this game. He filled some big big shoes, had some great stats, great stops, great tackles. uh, Great job to see him out there kicking ass for Notre Dame. At the end of the game, of course, Ian Book now has tied the likes of Brady Quinn and whatnot for the most number of wins for a starting quarterback at Notre Dame. And that is certainly a achievement that he deserves being the starting quarterback there was also all sorts of chatter on twitter about should book win heisman certainly his crazy circus throw to Mayer, where it was like across his body backhanded you know i don't know what that was but that was amazing uh, what the hell did we just see there um i don't know if that was necessarily a heisman moment But it certainly was impressive, and I don't know if it was dumb luck or just his athletic ability really coming out and Mayer just being in the right space at the right time. Who knows? But if we look at the numbers for Ian Book overall for the season, right now he is averaging 230 yards per game, ranked 38th of all quarterbacks in college football. He has a completion percentage of 63 which is ranked 45th, and he averages 1.3 touchdowns per game. He has one interception, and therefore his touchdown-to-interception ratio is 12 to 1. However, if we break down and isolate Ian Book's first four games, so that's Duke, South Florida, Florida State, and Louisville. And if you recall, after the Louisville game, I came on this podcast and was very critical not only of book but just kind of in general about our lackluster performance against louisville a team that's not doing well right now and saying we had to step up and turn the ship around for pittsburgh and notre dame did which was quite wonderful maybe they're listening to me who knows but what's really remarkable is if we just look at these last five games the book has played pitt georgia tech clemson boston college and North Carolina, and arguably those last three games are the best competition Notre Dame has played so far this season, and will play this entire regular season. We look at the numbers there is even more impressive and tells a better story about the direction Book is trending. Since Pitt, Ian Book is averaging 276 yards, and he would be ranked 16th in the country if that average was for for all... Uh, nine games his completion percentage in those five games is 67 percent versus 63 for the overall season and he would be ranked 20th in all of college football and his touchdowns per game has gone up from 1.3 to now 1.8 touchdowns per game also very important he has zero zero interceptions this entire time he has a fumble stupid Clemson game, but zero interceptions. So does Book, with those numbers in the last five games, how does that average out to compared to the last 18 years of Heisman Trophy winners? Yes, I went all the way back to the days of Charlie Ward at Florida State to determine this. The Heisman Trophy winner averages 283 yards per game. Ian Book's right now at 276. Their touchdowns per game is 2.6 touchdowns per game versus Book's 1.8. So those are two areas where he needs improvement, basically throw more yards and throw more touchdowns to be performing at that level. Ian Book's completion percentage, however, is better than what the Heisman Trophy winner averages. Heisman Trophy winner averages 66%. Book is at 67. Now, interceptions. Book has zero interceptions in these last five games. The Heisman Trophy winner averages 7.5 for the season with a touchdown to interception ratio of five. Book right now, his ratio is infinity because it's 12 divided by zero. So there you go. If Book throws more touchdowns, mathematically on average on paper yes he could win the heisman but here's the problem the heisman trophy is not just book against these guys in the past and the average over the last years and once you hit the mark hey here's your trophy no it's against the other guys in college football so i looked at justin fields at ohio state mac jones at alabama Zach Wilson at BYU, because they're doing really well, and he's throwing really well. Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, and Kyle Trask at Florida. Unfortunately, in all of these categories, which are very style points related, yards per game, completion percentage, and touchdowns, Book is not even on the map compared to these guys. For example, Kyle Trask at Florida, he averages 351 yards a game. That's over 75 yards more than what Book is doing in these last five. He also averages 4.25 touchdowns per game versus Book's 1.8. The lowest on this list is actually Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence at Clemson is averaging 2.71 touchdowns per game versus Book. Now, what Book does have that these other guys don't is his turnovers. Book has zero interceptions the last five games the best is Zach Wilson at BYU and Trevor Lawrence they have 2 but Justin Fields, Mac Jones and Kyle Trask all have 3. So, the touchdown to interception ratio is better for Book, but again, compared to these other guys, it's not even close. Finally, completion percentage, the best is Justin Fields. His completion percentage is 79% and that goes all the way down to 70.6%. Book is at 67. So, realistically unless these other five men crater it doesn't look good for book right now it's possible but based on what we've seen in the past people like Kyle Murray Joe Burrow Jameis Winston Robert Griffin III these guys put up a lot of style points a lot of you know just pizzazz and and whatnot that's really makes the game exciting and Book is, is out there doing it and slugging it around. Now, personally, forget the Heisman. I would rather Book win us a national championship. I don't cheer for Heisman Trophy winners. I cheer for my Fighting Irish, and I want them to win a title. If both happen in the same season, I'm going to be really thrilled, but that's not what this podcast is about. This is about how is Notre Dame going to win a title and that is why I consistently compare Notre Dame and their players, their quarterback, their coach, to what national champions are doing. So quick run through of Syracuse. Syracuse is not having a good season. If you didn't know this, and spoiler alert, Notre Dame is going to kick their ass. Uh, Syracuse right now is 1-9. and nine. Their one win is against Georgia Tech. And their out-of-conference game they played was to Liberty, and they lost. Now, Liberty's kind of on the up-and-up, but they have, like, the 150th strength of schedule. So uh, not looking good for uh, Dino Babers over at Syracuse. He's got a 40% win percentage at Syracuse versus Kelly, 73.2%. Um, Kelly's beaten him twice before this Their talent is at 55 versus Notre Dame's 13th. Um, They're ranked 99th in Sagarin versus Notre Dame's 4th in Sagarin. Notre Dame, of course, is second in the playoff uh, picture right now. It's not even close. What is depressing for Syracuse is there are actually two categories of stats. They are ranked dead last in the country. Those are red zone touchdowns. They score a touchdown 40% versus Notre Dame 60%. And time of possession, they are dead last. Out of 127 teams, they possess the ball only 40% of the time. Notre Dame is ranked 10th in the country at 56.99%. So it should be, quite frankly, a slaughter. There's really only two categories that on paper they're better than Notre Dame, and that's They've thrown more passing touchdowns. They've thrown two more passing touchdowns, and they have one more turnover on the season. That's it. Everything else, it's terrible. They're 100th in rushing. They're 119th in rushing touchdowns. They're 126th in total offense. They are 124th in rushing yards. They're 125th in red zone scoring percentage it's not good and their yards per point efficiency is 14.3 Notre Dame is 12.57 so team rankings is giving Notre Dame a 98.7% win percentage it should be 99.9 quite frankly I don't know how they figure this stuff out Um, I guess you know anything can happen you know and we've shit the bed against other teams but the, not at the way Notre Dame is doing things right now. All right. Something like really bad would have to happen at Notre Dame. Like, I think I could go up there and it, you know, have us get cover the spread of 33 points. Okay. And go up there and coach. I'm just going to say, Hey, throw it to Jordan Johnson and then just hand it off to Kyron Williams and throw it to Mayer a few times. And that's it. Um, Notre Dame's going to win. They, if they don't cover the spread, I think that would be actually quite a failure spreads 33 points uh there's really really no reason why they shouldn't go out there and just blow them out of the water um i'm kind of wishing that with the weather getting cold that miami or florida state was playing us some team from florida or the carolinas you know uh syracuse is you know northern new york you know they play in the carrier dome they they're used to the cold so it's kind of not as fun playing syracuse in snow uh i don't think it's going to snow during the game but it's going to be cold uh so that's a little bit of a bummer but on the plus side it is senior night and so we can um pay our respects to the seniors and um it's nice to see them on a solid winning team and uh, sometimes this is when we might see green jerseys Uh, i'm not making any predictions or anything but if they did come out with green jerseys uh i check my Twitter timeline. There is a, uh, image that I saw. I don't know if it was fan created or where it came from, but it's a really, really dope green. It's a little darker than a Kelly green, but it's not as dark as a forest green, if that makes sense. So, um, check it out. And, um, we might see that, um, it's, it's not uncommon for, uh, something different to come out, uh, on senior night. So, That is all I've got for you, ladies and gentlemen. And thank you again for listening. Thank you again to ND Nation. Uh, Check me out on Twitter at faithful underscore Irish. And uh, have a great week. Enjoy your St. Andrew's Day. Merry Christmas, because it's actually December and we're uh, moving closer there. So uh, take care, everyone. Go Irish, beat orange.